Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So I'm, I'm violating protocol by not saying, hello, everybody. Welcome to Screen Talk. I'm Ann Thompson. And I'm Ryan Latanzio. So Ryan, you're back from uh, you're back from Sundance. You actually didn't get COVID. Uh, everyone else at Underwire appears to have gotten it. I, I did not. My my unwellness was just a gen- more general generalized malaise than actual <laughs> COVID. And um, we are uh, going to go over some of the Sundance stuff. We did a poll. We did an actual poll, a critics poll, and I was. I, it was very interesting that it returned results that were unusual, rare, unexpected. A huge, huge, huge gap between the first movie that everybody picked, that everybody voted for, and everything else. And that movie was a real pain, which was the first movie I put up on the portal to see. It was the most urgently uh, necessary movie for me to watch, and I loved it. I loved it and voted it very highly as well. It was a very well-written, well-directed, well-acted gem of a movie. I, I couldn't have been happier with it. And this was the, I guess you'd say it was the first big acquisition out of the festival. Searchlight bought it for $10 million. Netflix sort of trounced that figure later by buying this horror movie out of the midnight section. It's what's inside for, I believe, $17 million. Uh, but a real pain, which I saw in person at the Eccles, did feel like the first sort of awards contender. I can't, I don't know if that's going to manifest as Oscars, but it does seem like something that will pop up later at the Gotham's, the Spirits. This is Jesse Eisenberg's second movie as a director um, visiting, I mean, literally going to the land of his forebears. Con- that's right, to a concentration camp. Um, oh. I'm sorry, I'm not setting this up well because it's actually like a very funny comedy that takes a sort of darker turn about this group of people on a um, on a tour of um, you know on a Holocaust tour. And the uh, the the person who could be the Oscar nominee um, is Kieran Culkin. Who and that would make fought. sense. He just had such a huge. He was year so good. He fought. Here, it's an interesting thing. I mean, we we know how good he was on Succession. Um, it was a you know, but that doesn't mean he's going to be really good in every other movie that he does. And he read the script over and over, tried to talk himself out of it. This was in his interview with us, and and finally decided that there was nothing wrong with the script and that he had to play the part and he nailed it it's a it's a disturbed unhappy guy who is always acting out in various ways inside the group and with his cousin played by Jesse Eisenberg someone that Jesse's character loves but hates at the same time as explained in a great in a great scene um it's a it's a remarkable job that he that 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 Eisenberg did and 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 Culkin delivered. And, you know, also I'll say in that movie, there's a really great uh, supporting role from Jennifer Grey, who we don't see very often. And of course, it takes you a minute to sort of situate on who exactly it is you're looking at. 
um, even all these years later, uh, as one of the women on the tour who kind of has a spark with the Kieran Culkin character. I, I really liked her turn in the movie. Well, she's exactly uh, what we all recognize, you know, that older woman who's still got it, who's, you know, not with a man anymore and is looking. <laughs> Cougar adjacent. <laughs> she looks great. She looks great, Jennifer Grey. Um, okay, so, the, you know, beyond that movie, um, there were many, 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 many others that were more divisive, obviously. You know, not everybody agreed on, say, exhibiting forgiveness, uh, which which I, if I had to pick um, a Art Heals trauma movie, of which there were many, um, I would pick uh, Ghostlight over exhibiting forgiveness, which has a lot of merit. By the way, very good acting, especially. I'm very bummed that I didn't see Ghostlight, but I did watch Exhibiting Forgiveness at home. The Andre Holland performance is very good. Yes, it is. There is just, um, you know, this is a, this was a trend at the festival. Movies about trauma, movies about healing, everything's about trauma. And I did feel overwhelmed by it. And I think even, a, you know, a lay viewer would feel the same way. Uh, in exhibiting forgiveness, he's an artist who is um, his abusive father comes back into his present. He hasn't seen him in, I think, 15 years. And the father is seeking redemption uh, for his behaviors as a drug addict when Andre Holden was a kid. It's a very heavy movie. He was and, he was uh, more of a toxic, long. overwhelming dad, you know, who didn't take care of his his son, you know, made him work, made him made him do things um, that he shouldn't have had to do as a child. Uh, Angenou Alice is very good also in this as the mother um, who let it happen and uh, still loved the father no matter what he did, no matter when or where he showed up. So there's a, this, there's a, no, there's a lot to like about that movie. It's just uh, I'm with you um, it, it, in the writing, I would say. It, it it was heavy handed for me. Yes, I I agree. And that's one that may, had some inclusion in our poll um, you know, interestingly, no, I think less heavy, but um, what didn't come, what was not in the top 10 of the critics that we polled for this survey was the grand jury prize winner in the summers, which also won the best directing award. They gave everything to this movie that I think I Did saw before the one? festival. I've seen it and it's fine. It's uh, you can tell it's one of those movies that you can tell. I mean, God bless it, but you can tell that it's a very low budget movie because there's not any, there's no extras in the scenes. The set is very bare. Um, this is not to hold anything against it. It just, that kind of stuck out to me. It's about two um, girls who, over the years, their father, who's played by Residente, who's this, you know, hugely famous Latin American singer. And so I feel like it hasn't been bought yet, but someone will buy it because of interest in him. Uh, they, he is also a father seeking redemption, um, because he was very shitty when his kids were younger. And the movie centers on all of the summers over the years when they come, they, they, they live with their mother full time, but they come and stay with him in New Mexico and Las Cruces every summer. And so the movie is, I think, I believe it's four summers that it takes place in over the years. It's a fine, it's a small sort of sweet movie. I, to be honest, I don't know how to put this, but it's, there are elements of it that sort of typify the sort of the Sundance movie as we know it. It's, you know, it's coming of age. It's sort of very celebratory about identity. It's all of these things that 
you think of a Sundance movie being. I I, I just I'm a little shocked that it won both of these prizes, considering that actually the the dramatic competition was very strong this year. Uh, you saw DD, which focus features just bought uh, another coming of age story, but that was yeah, very good. Sean Wong was definitely the breakout talent of the festival, and also was nominated for an Oscar for his short, um, with right. his Disney Plus short. So he, uh, there's a, we did a story on him uh, that you can read. He, he's, he's the, he's the talent of the moment. Uh, I, I think that movie you know, finds the right audience, will find an adoring audience. A young really, audience. Yeah, a young audience. And it's set in 2008. The kid who's Taiwanese-American, it's his last summer before high school uh, in Southern California. It's really, as someone who was around that age, well, I was, no, I was 18 in 2008, but it really transports you to the age of the early days of Facebook, all the time spent on AOL Instant Messenger, just like the excruciating, just everything, all the exchanges that happen at AIM that are so painful, uh, just sort of really tangling with all of the pratfalls and pitfalls of adolescence in a way that it really moved me. I, I, but it's also, it's sweet, but it's not cloying. You know, it's very frank and honest about sort of the darker realities of betrayal when it comes to uh, forging new friendships as you're going into high school and abandoning the ones that you have held close to you for so long. Let's just say I'm not the target audience. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, again, like just just in summation here, it just there was a lot of good material in the dramatic competition and sort of surprised that one of these other movies like this film, Good One. I don't know if you saw that directed by India Donaldson, very strong first feature, sort of Kelly Riker ask. Maybe Deborah Granick didn't like that one because it's similar to Leave No it Trace. Very in a way much it's about, like her movie. Yes, um, it's about a daughter and a father in the woods. So maybe she had a bias against it or something. She was on the jury. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, um, and I really liked the Kristen Stewart, Stephen Yeun um, uh, AI movie, The Love Story. Um, love me. I did that too. Everybody hated, everybody no, hated that on it. the ground. I, I, really? No. What, really? Yeah, I, I it was not. good reviews. It was not, well, I don't know. People looked at me like I was insane when I said that I liked it. But again, sort of the day before I saw Freaky Tales, which you know made me uh, put a hate in my heart. And so the bar was very low. Anything could have cleared it. And so that was the movie that I saw the next day. And I, I had a good time. Yeah, no, I, I really I really liked that one. But again, as usual, um, I, I have to lay on a caveat that having not gone in person, I didn't see as many movies as, as many people did, but I did binge quite a bit for a good five days on the portal. So um, the docs are very strong and they're back this year. And I had, I picked 10 possible Oscar contenders and I had to leave off a couple of good ones. Um, I, there were like five more that I thought too could have probably gone yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, you and I could talk about that, but it was it was just a question of not having time and energy to 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 make it fifteen. I probably should have, but um, so it was. That's how good it was. That's how good the selection was. Um, and I left off some good ones that I really liked, partly because. I realized, and I'm I'm feeling abashed a bit. I went back and looked at my best director predictions and every my best documentary predictions, and I realized that every single one of the documentary nominees is international. There was no American, not one. I did not realize that. So American I didn't Symphony put that not getting in, you know, um, the um, 
the the you know the other U.S. entry would have been maybe still. Um, they're all international, um, so that aspect of the documentary race has become front and center. Uh, so so gaucho gaucho could be a very strong contender, um, even though it's not directed by by uh, Americans. These are the guys who did the truffle hunters. Um, I looked them up and they're American, which I didn't realize. Um, uh, you wouldn't set, think so. It's set in Argentina. Terms. It's set in cattle country. It's it, the, There's photography of these gauchos, these cowboys on their horses that is so stunning. Um, and it just shows how the, the man and the beast, you know, meld in this extraordinarily beautiful way. There's the opening shot is this guy, you know, look, you're trying to identify what you're looking at. And this guy gets up from sleeping on his horse and 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 he wakes the horse up. You know, it was beautiful. And there's a lot of great stuff in that one. Uh, that was like my favorite. And then there was this extraordinary butt moth movie called Nocturnes that uh, I know Kate Urbland also really liked. Um, yeah, almost. It's kind of almost like Honeyland. It's sort of like yeah. an ambient yeah, you get immersed. Or a visual experience. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. and uh, or exactly oral. The the sounds are. You're in the jungle. You're in the de deep forest, uh, where all these moths are attracted to this bright, bright light and settle on this white sheet. And you you you're, they photograph it, and it's stunning. Um, but there's a there's a message. It's an eco. It's an eco doc, uh, as well. Did you see some good docs? What were your favorites? Um, I mean, Daughters is hugely moving, and Netflix just bought that one. This is about um, girls being reunited with their incarcerated fathers for a sort of daddy-daughter dance. Uh, this one's very touching, and I feel like this one has some legs. The one that I turned around and sort of came to like was Skywalkers, about the uh, this Russian couple that traverses all of these all the scaffolding and all these skyscrapers, you know, sort of a free climbing method without any gear just to get like the best possible shot for their social media. It's a little bit cloying to spend time with these people who are a little delusional. Um, but the movie really, it, it, it sort of, it really nicely takes all of their footage and sort of melds it together to tell a cohesive story. Netflix bought this one as well. I mean, Netflix, I think has four so far, The Greatest Night in Pop, you know, which is about the making of um, the We Are the World video. And then they, I think, uh, went in e with that. I think they had that to begin right, with. Right, right. And, and Power. Then, power, yes. And then Ebelin they did buy, which is about the Norwegian, uh, what we were talking about, World, World of Warcraft, Warcraft. earlier. And this asking. is about a, yeah. a guy who, after he dies from a neurogenerative disease, his parents discover that he had this whole secret life in his World of Warcraft RPG playing. Yeah, that one looks really good. I didn't see that one. Um, so they, uh, ignited a really the, or reignited the doc market, um, Netflix, I was talking, I was at a Netflix event yesterday and talking to, to, um, Adam Del Deo, who's the head of the Netflix documentary unit. And he was just very bullish. He just said, these are movies people are going to want to see, and we wanted to buy them. And, you know, why not? Um, in the overall scheme of things, they're not spending <laughs> an enormous amount and they have 260 million subscribers. It's a big number. You know, they can they can afford to buy some docs to show them. Yeah. I mean, this year's Sundance, I suppose, 
similar to last year's and the one before, definitely reiterated its place in the sort of documentary firmament. I mean, all of these, we're seeing all these documentaries getting acquired, but the narrative features not quite as much, which is telling uh, and, you know, interesting nonetheless. So uh, we love Joni Mitchell, right? And uh, we found out that there's going to be a concert in Los Angeles uh, and and Ryan and, and my daughter kindly <laughs> agreed to try to get tickets. What happened, Ryan? Well, we lost again. Uh, honestly, even the Errors Tour, when I, I failed to get tickets for that, as I've spoken about before, I at least could have gotten a seat to that. This one, it was like I was... You were on time, I, I, right? You I was right on, on time, time for the pre-sale like I got in there right when it started, it was like you were number 19,000 in the queue. And then like five minutes in, basically Ticketmaster sent a little pop off that was basically just like, forget it. And so I did stay. But it's like by the time I got into the map, there would be these little blue seats and you would click, you would tap on them and they would just vanish, disappear. And the ones that I did get were like $900 like in the back. And they just added another date to the show. I'm not even going to try. Like, No, you're not. It's, just, it's I mean... I think it's already, oh, actually, oh, it's it happening today. in five minutes. So uh, it's happening in five minutes. Ryan, so I'll try again. I, I mean, this I will, is a once in a lifetime opportunity. No, I know. I know. We, we've got to see her because it's not going to happen again. It's interesting how she's like become sort of like, it's like a package deal with Brandy Carlisle. That's true. They're not her seen anywhere. Yeah. Sort of part, that's her enabler. Uh, yeah. She's but like, I it's told you that story of how I met Joni, right? She was yes, behind yes. me and I had that perception that she wasn't as fragile as I thought. She was solid. I don't know how to explain it to you any other way. She was there and she was solid. Next week, we're going to talk about expats and feud because I have to catch up. We're still watching True Detective, which we love. I mean, you still love it, right? Yes, I do. I do. I, it's getting even better. It is getting better. I'm I'm really into it. The last episode was directed by Issa Lopez, the showrunner. It was the best one of all. It was extraordinary. It's leaning more into the supernatural <clears throat> horror, which I appreciate. And 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 Jodie Foster is just eating up the scenery, you know, in a good way. Well, and we're starting to see why exactly she may not be a Beatles fan. There is some, there's that word again, there's, there's, there's some trauma there. behind it. Okay, we'll find out. I can't, so anyway, I can't recommend um, True Detective enough. I'm sure you're all watching it already. Um, and I can't wait to get into Feud. That'll be fun. I'm, oh, you're going to you're gonna have a great time. I'm going to talk to Ed Zwick and I'm reading his book, his book, his hits, flops and you know, other Hollywood tales. And he is more than any other memoir I've read. Um, I loved the memoir by Ron Shelton about the making of Bull Durham. And the reason I loved that book was that it was as much about baseball, which I love, as it was about him making that movie. And he's a good writer. So he's able to write about it in a way that's really fun. And Zwick has the writing skills, but what he's doing, which is remarkable, is he's unwrapping a lot of the neurotic, bullshit, crap, ugly stuff that goes on in Hollywood. And he was the victim of a lot of it. And uh, most directors will not talk about that stuff. They won't admit it. They won't, make, they won't allow themselves to look even for a moment like a victim or a loser, even if they are. So he's, a, he's unusual. Um, and I'm really enjoying this. Well, I'm going on vacation in two weeks. And so I think I'll take that 
I'll get a copy and take that with me. So please stay tuned because we have a conversation with Roger Durling, the director of the Santa Barbara International Film Festival, who actually has some great stories of uh, some of the people that he has has hosted there over the years. It's it's fun. All right. Enjoy. Welcome to Screen Talk, Roger Durling, the director of the Santa Barbara International Film Festival, which I have been going to for years, decades. I can't even tell you. <laughs> Since the 80s, probably, I've been going before you got there, even. Um, and my favorite thing is is I host the... Um, the writer's panel. The panel. The It starts with the script. And it is uh, my favorite thing every year. Uh, it's amazing who we get. You get these the the nominees. Sometimes there's eight people up there, but they're the smartest people in the world. And I always get a huge charge out of it. And it's become popular even at your festival. It's actually so popular that we're going to be on primetime. We're going to be in the evening. So <laughs> God help me. <laughs> and then I'm going to do a tribute this year with with Mark Ruffalo, which I'm excited yes. about um, from Portland. And it's sold out. It's sold out. And I expect the writers panel to be pretty healthily attended as well. Oh, that's great. That's great. So I've done some great people in the past. I did Viola Davis and Isabel Huppert and yeah. Saoirse Ronan and, and Adam Driver. Um, so it's it's you have an amazing lineup uh, every every year. And where are you? Explain to us. Uh, we, uh, this is such a great image in front of us. I'm glad this is the Riviera Theater is um, it's run by the Santa Barbara Film Festival year round. And it's an art house. We program. We're currently showing uh, Teacher's Lounge right now. And yeah, I, I, I program it year round and. And we also do um, academy screenings up here. We do about 60 of them. Wow. Um, so we're busy. We're busy year round. This is our home. We love it. It's Dolby Atmos, Dolby Vision. So you've given, uh, you've done for Santa Barbara in a way what the Toronto Film Festival did for Toronto. You've built um, an audience of film lovers. Uh well, yeah, that's that's a very nice way of putting it. Yeah, um, yeah, we we it, it was it was it was essential for us to do something like this because it's really hard to build a film festival once a year, you know, for a short period of time. So you the the best way to cultivate an audience on the following is to have a presence throughout the year. You know, it's not rocket science, but. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of, but we all, we all like, like you love what you do. I, I love what I do. Yeah, so. no, absolutely. Um, so tell me where this festival fits in the awards calendar in the universe and how it works. In other words, you figured it out. You, you got, how many years ago did you get there? It's been, it's been, this is my twenty. Second edition. No way. You're making me feel old. I know. I'm I'm making myself feel old. Um it so I've been I've been at it for 23. Um I'm you you will have a better person. You and Ryan will have a better perspective where we fit in the calendar. I mean, we we take place after the Oscar nominations are announced, and uh, but we have to plan everything before it. 
So you go to Telluride every year. Sometimes you celebrate your birthday, I think. I celebrate. Telluride. I always celebrate I've my birthday. I've been there several times. So so you um, must begin right then. And sometimes before, because um, um, I watch a lot. I actually, this past year, I had seen about 20 films before I got to Telluride. Um, I'd seen quite a lot. So yeah, usually middle of of. of even before and because you like yourself, I mean, you go to con. I don't go to con, but I I'm I study what is happening in con and and all the films that are shown there, like Anatomy of a Fall or, you know, Teacher's Lounge, et cetera. So I start studying what's coming out of there. Not Teacher's Lounge, a Perfect Days was. Yeah, it? yeah. Teacher's um, Lounge was Berlin. Um, yeah. But but that that's so. So did by the time you get to Telluride, have you started to create your lists? Yeah, correct. I think you I mean, yeah, I mean, exactly. I think by by the time I got to Telluride, we already had we hadn't we didn't announce it, but we had Robert Downey Jr., already in place and um because that was a summer movie Oppenheimer. that was a summer movie and that was an obvious call that and he's an probably obvious. gonna win yeah he's probably gonna win supporting actor right yeah I've, it's looking like it the coronation is it's going to happen um um <laughs> i look forward yeah, to you, that that's on that'll be the friday night uh tribute and i look forward to seeing i'm gonna go to that for, for you know now. that as you know we had the pandemic and um all festivals were we're struggling. Um, we this is the first time and in our history, our first five events going into the festival are sold out. Opening night, uh, Bradley Cooper, um, Robert Downey Jr., the Virtuosos, which happens on Saturday night, and then Mark Ruffalo, all in a row, all sold out. It's first fantastic. Time the, first time in our history. And you know, it's not a small venue, as you know, it's twenty two hundred seats. The Arlington, so, yeah. So for us to sell twenty two hundred seats, uh, well, it's, good for you. Good. Yeah. How do you account for it? What's what's your? I, uh, you've been I, just building. I think you've been a bit steadily building the audience and delivering. Uh, a I great, think steadily building. These but are great we, events to watch. You've got Leonard Malt and Pete Hammond. You've got and Thompson. <laughs> you've got great people doing the interviews. Yeah, I remember I, my yeah, favorite one. I'm going to ask you this: What is your favorite one? I the, my favorite one was Ben Affleck, the year of Argo. He gave an amazing interview. Yeah, that reminded everyone of how smart he was. There's a, there's been uh, there's been quite a few that that stand out. I think um, quality wise for me, Daniel Day Lewis and Scott Feinberg, uh, because uh, we all we all understood the rarity of the event. Of so this having, was Lincoln, right? Lincoln, yeah. And then you know I had wanted him to be at the festival for years. I wanted him the year of there will be blood, but he you know the idea of ninety minutes. Um, on stage talking about his craft was not in, you know, it's not something that Daniel Day-Lewis wanted to do. But when he came to Lincoln, I don't know what happened. He acquiesced and it's a remarkable evening. We could so are have, those things online? I mean, can you yes, access we them? We have them all. 
We have them all on YouTube channel. Some, yeah, the majority of them are on YouTube channel and you can watch them. But Daniel Day-Lewis was remarkable. From a production side, I think nothing will be James Cameron um, and Leonard Maltin. And the reason why it was because it was a night at the opera. I don't know if you were there where everything technically went wrong. And then also like, um, oh, that's the wrong right. person for everything to go wrong with, right? And yeah, and Arnold Schwarzenegger was supposed to the, give the award, but then his schedule, he was then governor. And then he flew into Santa Barbara and he crashed in the middle of the tribute. His security people said he needs to deliver this this the award now. And 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 Leonard, poor Leonard and, and James Cameron are on stage. And then we just like, guys, we're here's I came out. I introduced Arnold Schwarzenegger. James and Leonard didn't know what was happening. It, 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 it was literally like a night at the opera. And it was a lot of fun because um, of that. I love that. I love that. Um, I remember Bruce Dern was hilarious the year yes. of uh, Nebraska. He was a great storyteller. You know, he just had the whole audience laughing. Absolutely. I don't know if you saw that one. Um, oh, yeah. Was, you see them all. You see them I, all. I watch, you know, I'm producing, so <laughs> I'm supposed to be looking out and also putting out fires um, like the the year that we honor Mickey Rourke and he wanted to um, have a, a smoke at every break. Um, and then what kind the, of smoke? No cigarettes, cigarettes. And then the the stage manager was adamant that, you know, that this was a fire hazard. Now, the funny thing is that I would go backstage to talk to the stage manager. He had a lit cigarette backstage and said, nobody should be smoking in this theater. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, we we actually, we, you and Pete and Leonard and I and Scott Feinberg should write a book about the shenanigans backstage. You had a situation where um, you know, I we was were... supposed to do Adam Driver with Scarlett Johansson, and she bailed and amid rumors that they didn't get along. Right? I, I what the official Harris story, Harris and it makes sense. The official story was that she was ill because she was at the Rosewood Miramar, and remember that was the year of COVID. Uh, we didn't know that it was COVID and she got, I, I forget what was the phrase that they told me, the official story that she, that she, she got violently, violently, violently ill. Um, but no, I actually believe that she, she was willing and able. She yeah. was just sick. Yeah. So I, I, but you know what? Adam Driver was a real gentleman. He yeah. was delightful and, and helpful and lovely, and we got through it. It was fine. But I never, I don't ever want to go through that situation again where, you know, it was sold out. We had 2,200 people. And remember, I'm the one that had to come out and tell the audience that our Scarlett wasn't here. And I just said, hey, I have good news. I have bad news. The bad news is we don't have Scarlet, but the good news, Adam Driver. And then all of a sudden, the audience just they went, went for it. They, they were went lovely. for it. Yeah, that's a great audience, by the way. You know, it is a fun audience. It is and a good. I, audience. I love the audience that comes to the writers panel. They're very devoted. Um, so one of my favorite things you do is you collect the directors every year. Yes. That, 
we're all wondering which directors you're going to get. This oh year, my, my favorite goodness. year was Barry Jenkins. It was the year of Moonlight versus La La Land, right? Barry Jenkins, Ava DuVernay, Kenneth Lonergan, Damien Chazelle, and Denis Villeneuve. That was yeah, that was, a, that was a fantastic. That was a really amazing. And to listen to them, though, that one I actually recently watched it coincidentally. Um, you know, it, yeah, and it was fascinating to listen to them to to listen to them all talk. Yeah, last year for the writers, um, we had all ten, if you recall. Um, and and the Arlington was the perfect venue for it because it was you know so wide and we could fit them all in. <laughs> now that one's that one's always always. But do you know who your directors are? Yeah. Um, not yet. We're working on it. There's some scheduling issues, which is they're always all willing to come up. It's just the scheduling. So um, what day is the director's panel? It's, it's, it's the nominee luncheon. So it's Monday. Oh, and it's at night? It's at night. It's mm -hmm. at night. And that's so the they issue. would have to like, schlep up. It's like you get one, but then the other one cannot be there. So it's so you were the, avoiding Saturday night because that's the DGA. That's why we correct, moved, correct. moved the writer's that's panel. The, so many the, directors are writers this year. Exactly. But we have the tra traditionally we do the virtuosos on Saturday night. And, and this year is, is spectacular. Um, you know, Coleman we got Domingo. Coleman Domingo. We got uh, Lily Gladstone. We got Divine uh, Joy Randolph. We got Danielle Brooks, America Ferreira. Um, who, yeah. who got nominated? Who Which got nominated? Yeah. Usually, usually we get a lot of the nominees in the virtuosos, and then or people that deserve to have been, you know, sure. or were sure, part sure. of the awards conversation, like Who Andrew is, Scott. Andrew Scott, right? And I, and Charles Charles Melton. Charles Melton. Well, Andrew Scott especially was one where I was really sad that he didn't. I I could tell that all of us strangers simply wasn't. Why didn't that movie connect? Um, I think I think the homosexual um, aspect of it. Um, I I mean I remember at Telluride that um, the you know there was a there was an audience that was that was not into it. Um, you know I heard I heard some graphic things why they didn't like it, um, why they couldn't stand. I think the sex scene was a little too graphic for them. Which when you watch it, Lovely. you can see. Yeah, I think the intimacy of it is it's intense, you know, it's visceral. So I think that certain audience is uncomfortable watching that. Yeah. So do people ever surprised. drop out when they don't get nominated? Do they say, okay. We've never had that. They, they stick around. I mean, I, I think they're sports. I mean, they, a couple of years ago, Taryn Egerton, uh, you know, had won the Golden Globe and and he, for Rocket Man, and he came and he was a great sport. You know, he said, "I'm here to celebrate," and I it was a good run. And and um, yeah, we always we always. I mean, the uh, Katrina Balf is an example that she didn't get nominated, and she she showed up. Belfast, and, right? And Belfast, right. yeah. They all we we rarely have somebody drop out because they didn't get nominated. It's still. You know they, they they did a great job, and and they, and you know, let's celebrate what they did. 
So how many Academy members live in the greater Santa Barbara area? That we account uh, that are registered in Santa Barbara. We have 167 um, Academy members, give or take. But then keep in mind that a lot of people have um, um, second homes here in Santa Barbara. That's right. That are not registered here. And they're prominent Academy members, but they're but they're registering, you know, Malibu or Los Angeles, et cetera. So, um, so it's more. So it's more. So when we do the academy screenings here um, year round, we we widen the net and we we used to invite solely the people in Santa Barbara, but then we just widened the net. Um, we do a wider uh, invite, and yeah, we get random people that we didn't know that had a home here in Santa Barbara. But um, yeah, some of the but, locals that you have include uh, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. We have Michael Keaton. We have Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, Natalie Portman. We have uh, uh, Kevin Costner, yeah, Ellen DeGeneres, Oprah. <laughs> the list goes on. Yeah, you, you don't You've got know the Royals. You've even and got we the got Royals. the Royals. Okay, although they tend to keep to themselves. Um, They've me. never showed up at the festival. I did attend Netflix did a, a screening um, for Academy members at a private home of a, a doc that was nom nominated um, the the after. Um, and then Meghan Markle did the Q&A um, after the screening. Well, that's cool. Yeah. With, yeah she, uh, so that would have been with David Ayelowo, right? Correct. Yeah, and the director. And she did a she did, did a fantastic job. I was very impressed with her. Yeah, with her moderation. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm I'm looking forward. I'll see you soon. Um, I'm I'm. Uh, is there anything else you want to tell us um, about? Um, I think good? the one aspect that people don't know about us is the our educational programs that are, are really strong and happen throughout the year. Um, I mean, and and in particular during the festival, we've been we you know for example, third graders, uh, four thousand third graders get to experience movies throughout the day um, of the festival, and we buzz them in. And last year, Guillermo del Toro. Um, did a master class with the third graders. This year is Chris Miller and Phil Lord. And they've been they they've come with almost all of his films and they'll be doing a master class with the kids after the screening of Spider-Man. And then Pete Doctor also will be coming with Elemental. And then we go to the classrooms and we give them a study guide and we prep them and they come and all the questions that the filmmakers um, answer last year, Guillermo del Toro answered questions. They come directly from the kids um, and they're remarkable. And like that, we have programs for different ages. We fly in 30 kids from across the country to experience the film festival and we do a curriculum for them. And um, that to me, and is the most rewarding thing we do. Um, and uh, having a sold out Robert Downey Jr., is what pays for all this other programs and that's and good that's good and also the the year-round uh support that you're giving to cinema but i was going to say you have a festival too you have a real film festival with an opening night and and programming for how many days 11 it's 12? 11 days and we have 200 about 200 movies and and um yeah it's it's it, we have eight venues and they all are, are running simultaneously 
Um, and, you know, every night that you're up on stage with Mark Ruffalo, there is about eight movies playing at the same time. Yeah, yeah a lot of people come up for that. People come up. A for lot that. of people and not just from Southern California. We get a lot of people uh, running away from the cold weather on the East Coast. And and um, yeah, Making we have a vacation out of it, out of, you know, and they're cinephiles. And and, um, you know, we 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 have nice weather here in compare. We have a big group that comes from. Uh, Boston. We have uh, actually, I'm fond of the particular of this group, 25 people that come from Princeton every year to watch movies and be with us. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks for doing all of this, Roger. You you really uh, are inspirational and I'll see you in person real soon. Yeah, well, thank you. It's a huge honor to to have me today. I'm too bad that Ryan is not here because I listen to you guys uh, fervently. So. All right. See you soon. Ciao. Thank you. 